If there has been a boogeyman in political campaigns this year, mostly among Republicans, it has been the so-called Safety Act. One part of the package, arguably the most controversial, would end cash bail in Illinois. One suburban state's attorney says it would usher in the end of days. Uh, my guest this week says such talk is dishonest at best. He's the Cook County public defender. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Sharon Mitchell knows a lot about the Safety Act, and yes, it is some kind of acronym. It stands for Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and Equity Today. And Sharon Mitchell was one of the leaders of a coalition that pushed for the new law on pretrial detention. That is the law that will eliminate cash bail on January 1st, 2023, across the state. Sharon Mitchell has been the Cook County Public Defender since the spring of 2021, when he was named to replace the dynamic and outspoken Amy Campanelli. Uh, the Public Defender's Office is an $80 million operation annually with more than 700 employees. In fact, Mr. Mitchell started his legal career in that office. He was a clerk there when he was in law school and a, an assistant public defender later. Um, he late, even later went on to work with and eventually lead the Illinois Justice Project, a policy reform group. It was that work that led him to a leadership role in the coalition to end money bond. So passage of the Safety Act was a major boost for him and others. Well, now you are hearing and seeing dramatic ads blasting the act. And a few weeks ago on this program, you heard from some suburban police chiefs present and past discussing their fears. Well, this week, we're going to hear from a key advocate, Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. Um, well, first, give us a quick sketch of what the act is. Yeah, so the overall uh, Safety Act includes reforms that touch the world of pretrial uh, policy, uh, sentencing policy, and police reform. And uh, the, the the bond portions, the Pure Child Fairness Act, as you said, uh, ends the use of cash bond. Uh, that is, ends the practice of using money as a determining factor in whether someone is incarcerated before their trial while their uh, their, their case is being decided, and, and replaces that system uh, where uh, a judge uh, makes an individual determination about whether a person should be in or should be out uh, based upon uh, a number of factors uh, related to that uh, person's case. Well, obviously, we are going to have to talk about the, uh, the end of cash bail a lot, because that's what a lot of people are hearing often. Uh, and, and what people are being told is that those accused of certain crimes will be non-detainable. That's the word that's in the in the talking points, the word non -de the phrase non-detainable, that they will not be able to be held while awaiting trial for things like second degree murder, kidnapping, aggravated battery, arson, other things. Uh, and, you know, Sharon, as you might imagine, people are frightened by that kind of talk. What does the law actually say about those crimes and what can happen to people who are accused of those crimes? And we stress, accused. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that again. Uh, we're talking about individuals who are accused of offenses. There's been no evidence presented um, in a court of law uh, to uh, prove that they are guilty. Uh, with that said, I understand the concern, but the idea that uh, people charged with these offenses are quote unquote unattainable is just false. Uh, and, and, and let me break it down for you. Um, in the Pretrial Fairness Act, uh, prosecutors have basically three paths to argue uh, for uh, detention of somebody pretrial. Uh, one is public safety. Uh, the next is flight from prosecution. And the third is a violation of release. Uh, i.e. we're talking about people who've been accused multiple times of an offense uh, while they're on bond. So what's happened here is that uh, some prosecutors um, have, uh, or some folks, uh, haven't read the, all of the law, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, and have made the argument that people accused of that list of crimes uh, or accusations are not detainable. That is false. Uh, those folks can be detained under kind of one of those buckets. And it's been unfortunate that we've seen uh, a well-organized, uh, well-funded, uh, well-resourced misinformation campaign uh, right as we move into election season. I don't, I don't think that's coincidental. Um, that are kind of, you know, you know, you know, creating this confusion. Uh, but again, to to be to be clear, uh, individuals can be uh, detained. Or prosecutors can uh, petition for detention under one of three different buckets. Um, and unfortunately, uh, some folks have, have made that mistake. And obviously the judges would have to hear the evidence. Um, and when we talked with uh, some present and former police chiefs from three suburbs uh, a few weeks ago, they complained that the records aren't always available in a timely manner and that that might be a holdup where they have to, a judge has to make a decision and we simply haven't either heard or haven't gotten the records to prove that this person might have been accused of uh, or, or even convicted of things earlier well let's 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 be clear the current system uh has to make a determination about whether somebody is going to be detained or not right we have bond court now I think what we're doing with the Safety Act and with the Pre-Trial Fairness Act, what folks are saying is that money should not be the deciding factor in determining whether somebody should be detained or not. Those decisions are being made every single day. They were made yesterday. They're made today. They will be made tomorrow. What the PFA says is, hey, maybe money isn't the best way of making those decisions. Now, there's no doubt about it. This is a new process. And uh, that's why the bill was signed over two years ago to give court systems uh, the ability to kind of get prepared for implementation. And, and here in Cook County, and actually in many counties across the state, uh, folks have been preparing uh, those processes uh, so that uh, the system can move as, as smoothly as possible uh, when January 1st comes along. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the current system as it stands, um, because what I think people have gotten used to hearing is when someone is charged with a crime, uh, that that person then gets, you know, the, the announcement is the judge has ordered him held in lieu of a million dollars bond. 
Mm -hmm. And people go, yeah, that's that that person. We're safe from that person. But I don't I'm not sure that everyone listening to this understands how bond works, because uh, that person doesn't have to come up with a million dollars in order to get out of jail. Yeah, that person has to come up with 10 percent of that bond amount. Right. So. Oftentimes, the decision about when somebody is incarcerated is much more often based upon does that person have access to that 10 percent. So make no mistake, uh, you know, the Coalition in Money Bond uh, organizations that I've worked with, their complaint is that uh, too often people are stuck in jail because they don't have access to money. And there are a host of uh, problems that happen when people are stuck in jail. They're more likely to plead guilty. They're more likely to serve longer sentences. And we know that there are tons of impacts to that person's community and family. But there is another side that makes their argument uh, that the reason why cash bail should be abolished is because it does allow for people uh, to bond out of a, a jail, uh, not because uh, they've been deemed to be uh, not a safety risk or deemed to be safe to be released, but because they have access to wealth. That's one of the reasons why we saw a state like New Jersey, uh, who was led under a Republican leadership, um, uh, you know, Governor Chris Kitsi, Governor Chris Christie was at the was the governor's time, ended cash bail. We also know that the federal system uh, operates largely without cash bail. Um, so listen, uh, you know, we know that the system is currently broken. I, I haven't heard many people say that things are working right now. Uh, what the Pretrial Fairness Act stands for is an opportunity to make the justice system uh, a bit more equitable. Uh, it makes those detention, that, that detention, the decision making process a little bit more organized, a little bit more complete. And it, and it, and it really creates the opportunity to return millions and millions of dollars into communities that, quite frankly, can barely afford to pay, quite frankly, ransoms. Mm -hmm. uh, about that, uh, I would think that there are a lot of people in jail uh, who, as you say, can't come up with the money, but in very often it's lower level offenses. And isn't that where the bulk of the effect uh, of the pretrial detention yeah. system is going to be? Yeah, when you hear stories from from prosecutors across the state arguing that, hey, we're not going to be able to detain this person or that person or this amount of people, you know, oftentimes we're talking about uh, individuals that are, uh, you know, accused of, um, you know, offenses that, you know, most would not consider uh, serious. And I, I think that line can be drawn, uh, uh, you know, by at different spaces by different people. Uh, but with that said, I think it's so important to understand that these are people who are accused of a crime uh, and not found guilty of a crime. And, you know, we talk about the innocence until proven guilty, and that's not a dusty kind of legal precedent for no reason. Uh, that's because we often find ourselves that we, we, we start with the accusation and that accusation is, is, is proven to be wrong. Uh, let's take, for instance, in Cook County, uh, we know that 40 percent of the felony cases a couple years ago uh, ended in some sort of dismissal or finding of not guilty. Now, many would say, well, you know, what's going on in Cook County? Are they not prosecuting hard enough? Well, we know that Cook County, uh, you're actually more likely uh, than, than, than the rest of the state to be sent to prison for a felony. So I say all that to say this. 
Um, people are presumed innocent. They're presumed innocent for a reason. And the Pretrial Fairness Act does give prosecutors uh, the ability to petition for detention. And, and that decision, if it's made, it's made. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a decision that you can buy your way out of. It's just a better process. And in buying your way out, and I know some of you participated in a uh, in a forum uh, with the League of Women Voters uh, a little over a week ago, and uh, one of the points raised there was often it is a family of an accused uh, who may be accused of a violent crime that pledges their house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, for bond. Yeah, you know, you know, oftentimes we think of okay, a person's accused of an offense, and you know, they put up their money uh, to uh, get out of, of jail. You know, in my time as a public defender, and in just kind of tons of narratives and research, we know that it it is often a family member, it is often a mother or a grandmother or aunt. Uh, you know, cash bond, especially here in Cook County, I'm, I'm overlooking uh, 26 California, the jail now. You know, I, I, I've spent lots of times uh, having conversation uh, conversations with women who uh, are, are doing all they can, all they can financially uh, to put the money up to get their loved one out. And, and they know what, you know, st statisticians and criminologists know that if you are uh, in jail, uh, you have the trouble getting a fair shake and, and you're more likely to uh, uh, not get that fair shake, not get that uh, justice and fairness that the Constitution guarantees win, lose or draw for that person. Uh, so, you know, there is a two tiered system, uh, a system for the rich and, uh, or a system for people who have access to money and a system for folks that do not. And uh, that's why we believe that the Pretrial Fairness Act, at least from the advocacy community, is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a really strong step uh, in, in making uh, uh, better decisions uh, when it comes to who's in or who's out of jail before trial. I, I do want to talk about one more uh, aspect of this, because I've heard more than one state's attorney and, and frankly, uh, some Republican state's attorneys are going to have an, uh, a news conference uh, at, at week's end on this, too, saying that on January 1, they have to basically open their doors mm -hmm. to some people. Now, obviously, they're not going to argue if it's somebody who's accused of, you know, stealing toilet paper from a store. But they're saying, oh, we're going to have to open our doors and just let all of these people out. Is there a look back provision where people who are already jailed, uh, you know, can just ha have their cases, uh, can just be turned loose? Well, here, here's the first thing, Craig. I don't know if we can make the assumption that there aren't people on nonviolent charges, uh, charges that some people may consider not serious that are, are stuck in jail. I mean, that's kind of the problem with cash bond is that it's not so much the allegation or the risk you pose is your access to money. So I will say that Cook County has done uh, significant work on ensuring that if a person is detained, it is because there is some sort of, uh, uh, you know, th 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 there's some process. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, every person who is in jail, both here in Cook County or uh, or outside of the state or outside of the county, 
are, are not in on something uh, that most folks would not consider to be something worth incarcerating somebody before you have a lick of evidence presented. Um, with that said, I, I think you have heard from prosecutors uh, across the, the state, um, uh, or really, or, or you know, not you know, downstate, um, who have made the argument that they would have to let out uh, half the people in their jail. You know, I think there are two things to that. You know, I, I think first, I've seen some analysis, and it, it, it seems like those numbers are based off of incorrect. Um, uh, uh, evaluation of what the statute is. Uh, like I said before, uh, prosecutors have kind of three options when it comes to asking for detention. And oftentimes I've seen these prosecutors only use one of those three buckets when they're trying to calculate those numbers. And, and I think the second thing is we are talking about people who are innocent until proven guilty. So if you have tons of people in your jail that are there just because they are poor and there hasn't been evidence proven against them, uh, I, I think we should have be having a conversation with who's in the jail um, and, and who's not in the jail. Um, and I think that is one of the benefits of the Pretrial Fairness Act is we're going to have a serious conversation about who should be in and who should be out. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about the state's new criminal justice reform law called the Safety Act. My guest is Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell. Uh, here's maybe the toughest question of all. How can people know whom to believe? They are seeing ads every day. They are hearing uh, elected states attorneys every day. I mean, this, the ads say 100 of Illinois, 102 states attorneys are opposed to this. How can people's fears be allayed? Uh, how can they know when they are hearing the truth? Yeah, you know, it's funny that 100 and 102 number. You know, I know three states attorneys I've heard just this week uh, in favor of ending cash bonds. So I'm not sure where that number is coming from. But with that said, <laughs> Listen, um, it's tough. Uh, again, you have a well-funded misinformation campaign happening. Uh, the timing of this is uh, not a coincidence. Um, but when you hear some of these claims, like I heard a claim uh, from a state attorney that judges can't issue warrants. Uh, I would ask that state attorney to point to the section in the legislation that bans a judge's ability to issue a warrant. It just doesn't exist. Um, so I, I don't think it's an easy thing. Um, but again, I think there is lots of fact checks that are out there. Um, and, and you see a uh, a number of stories trying to test these claims. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the law is the law. Um, and I think people are doing... Um, are being intentionally. Uh, um, You're trying to I, be I, polite. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the the, the law uh, oftentimes is demonized, um, not based upon a fair reading of the law. You know, like I would I would ask individuals to point to the part of the law that says people have to be released um, uh, on January first. Th th those are made with assumptions. Um, quite frankly, I expect that prosecutors um, in the lead up will be filing motions um, asking for detention. Um, and uh, in, in many of those cases, 
uh, where they claim that there's no way they can detain people. Uh, I want to turn to uh, some other provisions in the law, uh, not all of them controversial, but one of them that still is uh, would allow anonymous complaints against police officers uh, accused of wrongdoing. Police unions and others uh, say that uh, those officers ought to have a right to confront their accusers. Um, what what do you say? Yeah. You know, oftentimes uh, that argument is flipped around uh, when we are in court. Um, but listen, I, I don't think that we're going to get to a place when it comes to safety if we don't take police accountability and police reform in, uh, uh, seriously. And there, we, we just have to be honest, there is a serious problem uh, where individuals are scared uh, to uh, uh, put their you know, name down uh, and, and say, I was harmed. Um, and uh, the idea uh, that we would discount uh, or disallow people to be able to make those claims, I think, puts us in a very scary place. Now, listen, I'm a person who believes in due process, and I don't believe that folks should lose their job uh, based upon anonymous complaints and anonymous complaints alone. But we should start the process. And starting the process is being able to make that complaint and having a process where uh, we can kind of investigate. And when I say we, I say society uh, the, the, or the system can investigate whether those complaints are true. Listen, this region has had an awful history when it comes to wrongful convictions, when it comes to false confessions, when it comes to police abuse. I don't think that we have uh, the privilege of not trying to collect as much information as we can if we are truly serious about uh, making sure our policing uh, is as constitutional and as fair as, as it could be, as it can uh, be. Where are the protections for police officers uh, who are on the job and, and, and may in fact be honest that keeps people from basically just calling and making a complaint about them just because they they don't like the officer or the officer stopped them and they are upset about it yeah i i guess i just don't live in a world where police officers are being fired uh one after another for anonymous complaints i just I just don't know where that, that world is. It's, it's not a world that I live in. Uh, there are collective bargaining agreements. There are uh, defense counsel uh, that do, I think, a fantastic job. Um, it is very, very, very difficult um, to, uh, I think, do the things uh, that some people are trying to act like happens all the time. You know, I, I am, you know, not somebody that works on uh, police accountability every single day. Uh, but when I read the news and when I read the stories and I talk to my friends that are working in that space, uh, what I've learned that it's very difficult to remove somebody. And that is kind of rare that somebody uh, is fired. So this idea that, you know, a novice complaint will come in uh, on Tuesday and somebody's going to be fired on Thursday, I, I just don't know where where that's happening. Uh, other aspects of this law uh, basically uh, require more uh, and more extensive uh, police officer training. Um, body cameras uh, will be required statewide, and there's a phase in for that. Uh, standard use of force rules. Uh, interestingly, when I had the, the three suburban police chiefs uh, on, 
all were enthusiastic about body cameras. Uh, we, I think we're old enough to remember when that wasn't the case yeah. uh, for yeah. police officials. Uh, and we're pretty okay with the, the standardized use of force rules. Um, how, how do you feel about what's in there? Is it good enough? Uh, and, uh, and are you pleased that uh, the police officials are supporting a number of these kinds of provisions. Yes, I am. And, and you know, I, I think it's hats off to, to them that are accepting of change. L listen, and, and that's why it makes me so frustrated when we hear uh, about people saying, let's repeal the Safety Act, right? Uh, when there are common sense things in the Safety Act that, 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 that clearly are of need. You know, we can have a conversation uh, about some things. And the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, people will always be able to go back and tweak certain things. You know, we're still passing laws uh, about the uh, about the sale of alcohol and the inner pro pro prohibition happened in the 1920s. Uh, so we will always have an opportunity to make changes on the margin. But the fact of the matter is when it comes to the Safety Act or when it comes to the Pretrial Fairness Act, uh, they're just basic truths. And one of the basic truths is that cash bond uh, is a broken system. Uh, one of the basic truths is that we've kind of suffered through uh, uh, some real crisis when it comes to uh, uh, police accountability. And I think the, the Safety Act and the Pretrial Fairness Act is an acknowledgement of a basic truth. And I'm really glad that we're taking the steps needed uh, to fix some of these problems so that we can have a communities that are both safer and we have a justice system that is a little bit more just. Um, are there other provisions that you think uh, maybe aren't getting enough attention that people should know about and 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 uh, appreciate? I suspect. Well, I mean, I I think I just have to kind of speak to the misinformation that's been going uh, across uh, you know social media uh, you know this week. You know, one of the things I've heard is that. Uh, police officers can't arrest people uh, for trespassing uh, because something in the Pretrial Fairness Act or something in the Safety Act uh, bars uh, 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 officers from arresting somebody that's camping out in your home. Uh, that is completely false. So what the act does, it basically says that law enforcement uh, should not arrest people for the lowest level offenses, but they have the ability to do so if there's a threat to safety. And it gives police the full discretion in making that decision. You know, that law uh, gets morphed on social media into meaning that people can't be arrested for trespassing. Uh, you know, there, you know, we obviously we see the same thing in the bond discussion where certain offenses cannot be detained. when We know that that reading is because people aren't reading the whole law. The reality of the situation is that there is lots and lots of misinformation. That misinformation is targeted. That misinformation makes sense. Uh, if you realize that people are trying to win elections, uh, that's why it's out there. That's what makes sense. Uh, but, you know, people uh, for quite some time, uh, people in the system have, for quite some time have been working on uh, uh, implementation of these necessary reforms. And I would urge us to continue to go forward. Uh, to welcome these reforms um, and, 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 and I think uh, benefit from uh, what I think will be fantastic changes to the system. And just to make sure we clarify this, uh, a police officer who finds somebody trespassing on your property can 
make the person leave, right? Absolutely. Like the again, you know, this this issue was about you know sight and release, right? So you know, sight and release is something that you know law enforcement officials across the country like, right? Because uh, arresting somebody somebody sometimes takes lots of resources, right? You got to take somebody to the jail, you I mean, or take somebody to the police station. You've got to prosecute them. You've got to get them to the jail. You know, oftentimes there are instances where a, a police officer may want to just write somebody a ticket and, and, and give them a summons and, and make sure they come to court. Um, so what the law, you know, one of the, one of the provisions of the uh, Safety Act did was it says, listen, you, you shouldn't arrest people for the lowest level offenses, but if you need to, because of safety, then you can't. Thank you so much for this. Uh, I would like to thank Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell for spending the half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.